You are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. series today that uh, will last for some time. I'm purposely not mentioning a holiday that I'll call all the way up to, Uh, but it's going to last eight or so weeks, and it's going to deal with the idea of living missionally. And so there is a universal call in our scripture for all believers to live on mission with those around them where God has placed you. And it is my hope and prayer over these next few weeks, that we might humble ourselves to more fully enjoy God, that in our enjoyment of God, that it might overpour on those we come in contact with. Mission is not an option for believers. It's actually fundamental to our design and our creation. And so it's vital that we have this discussion. And I will say this, if you have yet to join or be a part of a small group on Sunday morning, certainly would advocate for you to be a part of that. This is a series that will just mean a whole lot more if you could just have a discourse that is a lot deeper than what you can get here on Sunday morning. So from me, so 9 o'clock Sunday morning, show up next week. We'll put you in a group. It'll be for your good. Would you just join me in prayer, and then we'll get started here. Lord, I, I, I come to you as that song says, we come to that altar. We come humbly, we come thirsty, we come with joy in our heart that, Lord, that you have, you have given us your grace and your truth and your mercy. You've given us your word. And so, Lord, will you use this moment to stir us, convict us, bring joy to our worlds. Lord, we humble ourselves under you today, and we pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. I was here yesterday doing a little bit of work, and I aim to go and meet Nikki and the kids at Street Fair. And so I drove up there. I got out of my car and started to head that way. I pulled out my phone because I was going to call her, but then I realized my phone was dead. And so here I am at Street Fair, hundreds, if not thousands of people here, and I have no good means of communicating with my wife where I'm at and where she is. And so I think, oh, what am I going to do? And then this thought came over to me. If ever there was a time for the Kiwanis Information Booth, it is right in this moment that I can go and say, Nikki Serbo, please report to the Kiwanis information booth across. But here's the thing. I didn't know it still existed. Did you know that the Kiwanis information booth still existed? It's not where it was at. So I didn't have a thought in my head that I could actually do it, which would embarrass my wife, which would be even better. And so what I did is I just hearkened back to the days of my youth, like you did when you were young at Street Fair, and I just walked the square, and I didn't see her. And you know what I did when I got back to the same spot I started? I turned around, and I walked in the opposite direction, trying to find her going the opposite way. Now, it turns out that she went home. So (laughs) it didn't really matter. I just got a couple cruising laps in at the street fair, and that that was okay. You know, some of us don't know a life where texting doesn't exist. Uh, We don't know a life where Find My iPhone didn't exist or the Life360 app didn't exist so we could know where everybody is at all the time. Our worlds have 
changed in that course in some ways. Do you know that there was a day when people came in white uniforms and delivered milk to your doorsteps? Do you know that existed? This is Jerry Qualls when he was 20. This is his first, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I asked Jerry. He said it was okay for me to make that joke. Okay. We, you had people deliver milk to your doors. I think that would be a fun thing to do today. How about this? How many of you guys remember these? Yellow books. Like long before the internet, you had to take out these old giant books full of advertisement and rifle through to find the services that you were looking for. Maybe you have some of these still laying around your house. I made tons of mixed CDs in my college years. I don't know if you have mixed CDs laying around. I would probably be embarrassed by the music that's on it. I think that we have some sort of booklet somewhere with a bunch of CDs. Maybe you have even cassettes still where you cut and splice different music laying around your house. We don't use those anymore. Now, this, there was a day and age where we actually threw our kids in the back of the cars, and we didn't care if they died. You just threw them in there, and then if somebody was going too fast, you say, hey, just holler so mom and I can put our seatbelts on. I drove to Kings Island as a little kid in the back of a Pinto, I mean, a, a literal flying death wagon, just a gas tank with wheels. Years ago, we spent hours at stores like this looking, I'm looking at you high school kids, looking for movies, and we would wait around the return bins hoping that somebody would bring one of the 12 copies of the newest release that the whole town was sharing. And you would sit there. Life has changed in some ways. It's a little bit different. And that's even true of our faith. You know, not long ago, back in 1993, back when cars didn't drive themselves, the overwhelming sentiment of Christians was that it wasn't the job of the local church to convert people to Christianity. It wasn't the job of the church to bring people to Jesus. Now, I'm talking about the physical building and the staff, not the body, the big C church. But most people believe that it wasn't the function of the church to do that. Almost 90% of people believe that it was every Christian's responsibility to share their faith. Today, things have changed dramatically in just a little under 30 years Today, now, more than half don't know or agree with the statement that it is the job of the local church, the building and its staff, to convert people to Christianity. And today, only 64% of people believe that it's every believer's responsibility to share their faith with the world around them. And so let's think about that for a moment, because maybe that's confusing to you, because all you've ever been is a part of a Christian faith that has been focused on trying to attract people to a service or an event that they could hear about the gospel truth of Jesus Christ and profess faith in their life. And maybe you're like, well, what's bad about that? Well, there's nothing bad about people coming to know Jesus Christ. And there's nothing wrong with inviting people to events or church service. The issue lies in this we no longer believe that we are capable, nor is it a necessity for all believers to share their faith, for all believers to show the world who God is, for all believers to disciple others. Today, in 2021, 
there are far less Christians than there used to be. And far less of those Christians want to express their faith to others. And I've used this term before, but we have professionalized ministry. We have professionalized Christianity in our time where now we pay and hire people with talents and skills to essentially do the work of being a Christian for us. And then we evaluate them on how well they are doing. We hire people to teach our kids about Jesus. We hire people to go out in our communities and tell others about Jesus that they would know him. We hire pastors to feed us and to help our churches grow. We hire other pastors to help us get into the presence of God and feel like God is near. And then we evaluate how they are doing. All of those things, though, are a universal call for all Christians to do themselves, not to be exported onto others to do for us. And so I want to be careful in what I'm saying. I'm not sort of insinuating that people are lazy. I'm just wondering if maybe we are unaware of the habits that we have today and how they have strayed from biblical truth and flourishing. And so today, if we talk about the idea of mission, it coincides with somebody going somewhere, whether domestic or overseas, and serving people and telling them about Jesus Christ. You go somewhere to do missions. You live here. Missions is there. My life is here. Living and mission have become detached from one another. The Christian life has become very segmented. We've exported large portions of our practices and our postures, things of, that, it, that are necessary for us in our life of faith to other people to do for us. And we see living as being detached from God's mission for his creation and his church. Yet, friends, it is the fundamental posture for the flourishing of his creation that we put God above ourselves that we see God as more beautiful than ourselves. We are reminded by the Apostle Paul who says that in him we live and we move and we find our being. We were created, God, for the purpose of enjoying him and glorifying him in the world around us, which means that we are to make God more beautiful by the way that we live and how we interact with the world as we enjoy him. That is our purpose. It is fundamental that every one of you in here have wondered about your purpose. You're in high school or middle school, or even today, and you think, what is God's purpose for me? What am I supposed to do? God has given his creation a defining purpose, and it is to glorify him on the world, make him more beautiful in the world as you enjoy him. And listen, that is every one of us. Every one of us has that purpose. You might have a different vocation, and you might have a different place, but we all have a universal-like purpose. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God 
give no offense to the Jew or to the Greek or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that many, that, that they may be saved. In everything that we do, Paul says, we should do it all for the glory of God, that others would see the beauty of Christ in our lives, that they might give him praise. Paul would go to the Colossians and say in chapter 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. David writes in this beautiful psalm that I use a lot, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now listen, who is that for? Who is my rest and my restoration? Who, what is my lying down for? Here at the bottom, it says, for his namesake. Which means that my own rest and my own goodness isn't for me. It's for the sake of God being glorified to the world. So what does that mean? What does this mean? Well, it, it means that if we as a creation have separated ourselves from our purpose, the very reason of our existence, to glorify our creator, to bring him praise, we are actually doing something other than what we are created for. We are living outside of the good and flourishing wisdom and way for creation. You know, it seems like every single week in my house, I have to remind our girls that, hey, you can't use that for that. Like, you can't use that glass cup for a hammer. The doorknobs aren't monkey bars. The, mic the, the, the remote isn't your microphone. Your baby brother is not your doll baby. I have to remind them over and over and th again that that is not to be used like that. What happens to objects and things that are used for something other than their true intention, their true purpose? They get harmed. They get hurt. And they never enjoy the boundaries that elevate what they were always meant to be. The reality for every believer is that if we are not doing that which we in, were designed to do, we will always find a sort of friction in our lives because we are functioning as something other than we are intended to be. You and I were made to enjoy God and glorify him to the world. And so that means with everyone, everywhere, and in everything, whether you work at a car shop or a fast food restaurant, whether you own your own business or work at a factory or a bank, or you stay at home, whether you're on vacation at your neighbor's, in a store, in your house, no matter if the person in front of you isn't a believer, whether they're rude to you or simply they don't like you, everyone has a purpose to declare the glory of God everywhere, with everyone, and in everything to make God more beautiful by who you are and what you do. Ministry, friends, isn't the job of the local church, the building and its staff. It's part of what we do, but it's a work for every abled body believer. And so I want to slow down here for a moment because I know that there's some of you in this room, in this audience, 
who get pressed with this idea of being a type of person that's outwardly expressive about their relationship with Jesus Christ, and you get nervous. We are nervous with people simply knowing that we're believers. We are fearful of what others might say about us or do if they know that we believe in Jesus Christ or if we talk to them about Christ. We want to avoid conflict. We want to avoid all things that are awkward. And so expressing our faith seems very risky to that. So I want to speak to that because I think the American church has not helped us elevate this idea of what it means to glorify God well. What it means to express our faith has not been taught to us in the most helpful way. When you have a thought in your head, when I talk about uh, an image of a person that shares their faith with others, most often your head goes to like a street preacher, some really bold guy that can say some really challenging things, people who speak unhindered without reservation. Being that type of unhindered person in our faith creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And from that, we say, I could never do that. And so instead of doing something because we think that's what we're supposed to be, we end up doing nothing. So the question is, is that what the Scripture teaches us as the way for believers to live on mission and to show the world around us who Jesus is? Is that what we're supposed to do? Go to Pizza Hut and just talk to random strangers about Jesus? And so let's look at the Scripture here a little bit. I want to look at two verses particularly today. I want to look at a verse in Matthew 28, and I want to go all the way to 1 Thessalonians 4. In Matthew 28, we find the Great Commission from Jesus to his disciples. And we'll read it starting in verse 18. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This verse sort of conjures up this idea that we are to be nomadic people going around the world, spreading the good news about Jesus Christ and making disciples. But how, how can that be? Aren't some of us called to live in communities with one another? Weren't the letters that Paul wrote to the church written to individuals living in certain regions together, forming a church together? Didn't Paul actually tell people to stay in certain locations and live there for the good of the believers in their maturity? How do we make sense of this tension to go to all the nations how do we make sense of that? Are we all supposed to do that with Scripture, or is this just for the disciples? Is it just for some people, or is it for all people? And then we turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, and this is a, a verse that is well used by the Amish community. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9, it says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. The Thessalonians are pretty good at loving people. 
For you yourself have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brother, brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we've instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This verse seemingly inspires us to live amongst each other with deep reverence and love and grow more and more in that through quiet aspirations, peaceful aspirations, walking properly in front of outsiders. And so how do we bridge a tension of a verse that says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, and Paul here saying, hey, live quietly, peaceably with others. How do we handle that? Well, I want to give you two thoughts to consider. Two thoughts to consider today. Number one is this, is that we all do not need to be like Paul. We just need a like purpose. We all don't need to be like Paul. We just need a like purpose. I, I want you to hear me in this, friends. You don't need to be like the Apostle Paul. You can't. And you, can't, you don't need to be about all the heroes in our scripture. That's not God's design for you. You simply just need to glorify God in your life. We have such deep aspirations and desires for all things heroic in this culture. We desire to be great. We want to be known. So much of what we believe about glorifying God and living on mission comes through an idea that, that it requires very heroic things with very heroic words. Listen, most of how we glorify God, make beautiful God around the world, is unheard and unheralded. We weren't created just to tell a great story about God. We weren't created just to make some sort of pervasive speech about Jesus. We were made to glorify God by reflecting his character and his image into the world around us. God becomes more beautiful in our worlds to others through our kindness, in our gentleness, in our love, in our meekness, in our grace, in our faithfulness, in our comfort. God is more beautiful to the world when we follow his commandments and love him most. And so look, if you're self-employed, do you reflect God's kindness and generosity in the way that you handle your affairs? If you are a contractor, do you show the type of integrity and honesty that is present in the Lord with others? If you're a mom, do you extend qualities of kindness and patience and gentleness the same that has been extended to you by our fathers to our children. We realize that all of those qualities aren't just ends in themselves. We're not just trying to be kind people. That's good. Or loving people, it's good, but it's not the end of it. But we let our kindness be the doorway in which we pray that others might ask us about what that kindness means that we might tell them about the kindness that was extended to us by our Father. We display hospitality to others, not for our own good or not for our own recognition, but that we might have the ability 
to tell somebody the hospitality of our Lord to us, that we might become a sweet aroma to a decaying world, that they might see us glorifying God in our lives. You see, being someone who is missional isn't always somebody who's looking to get a word in about Jesus. It's living with the intentions of making the word that is implanted in us through the Spirit alive to all that we meet and all that we can as long as possible. 1 Peter 2 reminds us that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of, his, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All of our lives should declare his excellencies, his beauty, his goodness, as we try to draw people out of the darkness. And so here's the second thought that I want you to consider today. The second thought is this. Not everyone will go to all the nations, yet everyone has a neighbor. Not everyone will go to all the nations, yet everyone has a neighbor. It is obvious for those who study the word of God that there is a universal call on all believers to make disciples, to invite people to live life with us, to tell them about his grace and his truth that we have found in Christ and to teach his commandments, whether that's at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, or across the globes. What is not universal for every believer is that we go to all nations. But just because we aren't called, and that's most of us in this room, to go to all the nations, we support others who are, but it also doesn't mean that we're not called to go somewhere or to be missional. Charles Spurgeon said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Sometimes we hear scripture so much that it becomes numb. We become immune to it. And I would say that over the course of our life, we've probably heard Jesus and his greatest commandments, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We've heard it so often that we're almost immune to it. It's so sort of reactive that it doesn't require action from us. It's so broad that it's just a great thought to have, and it leads to no specific action. But what if you heard Jesus say to love your actual neighbor? like the one that is living right next door to you or right behind you, the ones that you hear yelling at the middle of the night? What if Jesus invited you to love that actual neighbors? What if you lived as a missionary in your own neighborhood? What if you had a compelling vision for your life to show those around you who live next to you how beautiful God is by how you live and how you interact with them? We live today in a garage culture where we drive home from work, we drive in our, our garage and we shut the door and we don't come back out. We don't see our neighbors very much anymore, nor do we take any action on our part to interact with them. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you in that. There, there's an interesting thing to know about neighbors today. There's a spectrum that the older that you are, the more you know all of your neighbors. And the younger you are, the greater likelihood it is that you know none of your neighbors. The more rural you are, the more neighbors you know, the more urban and condensed you live with populations, the less you know your neighbors. That's crazy to me. You can be around thousands of people in a city, but you're more likely not to know them. 
Today, only 26% of people know most of their neighbors. Where do you fit in that? 58% of people have never had a neighbor over. And this is a startling one. We always talk about time. I don't have enough time. Here's, a, here's some sobering thoughts. Almost 80% of people would talk to another person, somebody who was a friend of theirs, if they knew they valued faith. They would talk about your faith with you if they knew that was a value of you. And we think, I don't have enough time, but listen to this. This is a crazy statistic. Do you know what the average amount of years we will spend our lives on screens? Some of you are in Sunday school and you know this. 44 years. 44 years of our life, if we started today, 12 hours a day, we will devote to our screens. Now, some of that's work. We have time for our neighbors. We have time for our neighbors. Do you know your actual neighbors? Have you considered them worthy of God's attention? Have you considered them worthy of God's love? Have you considered them worthy of God's hospitality? Have you considered them worthy of God's forgiveness? I know that some of you in this crowd may have neighbors who have greatly offended you. But they are as worthy of God's forgiveness as you are. I'm going to challenge you as you leave. There's these little neighborhood maps. If we run out, we run out. And we get some more. But this is a little activity for you to write down your eight closest neighbor. I know some of you live and there's nobody around you for a mile. Let's get creative in this, okay? Who are the eight closest people to you? Do you know the names of everybody that lives in their house? Could you write something that isn't their name about them? Do you know, what do you know about them? And so this is the challenge for us as a church as we walk into this series, that we would begin to see our neighbors, our actual neighbors, worthy of our love. And so over the next few weeks, we want to compel to you that, that we have a purpose like we did today, and it is to glorify God by enjoying him. And in that purpose, every one of us has been given a place. God determines and allots the boundaries of people. Not only have you been given a place, but you've given a people. You have a people around you that God has called us to. So you've been given a place and a people with a purpose, and God loves you so much that he's actually given you a power to go out, to pursue others, to let them know that there is a peace available to them through Christ. We are agents of reconciliation, declaring to the world that God has made peace with man through Christ. And that we actually today, in this moment, can walk in postures where we might believe that God might want to do something in this moment. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you go on a mission trip and you, you walk there and you go there and you're heightened to the fact that God might want to do something. But when you come back here, you lose it. We have a posture through the Holy Spirit that we can interact with the world with that we would pursue them. And this is the last thing that we're going to talk about is it doesn't have to be perfect. 
You are not perfect. I am not perfect. All of your efforts will not be perfect. But here's what we believe in, that God will take all things and bend them towards his glory. That he will take my weakest, most frail, worst effort, and he will bring good out of it somehow. And so we're excited to walk through this for the next few weeks. Let us consider our actual neighbors. We're going to head into a time of communion. I want you to consider these things, think about these things. But it's because of the risen of Christ that we can join together today as a broken but hopeful group of believers who seek to love what he loved, to learn as he learned, to be taught, to strive, to be faithful as his servants in this, our time and place. And so in this meal that we're about to partake in, we remember Jesus, his promises, the price that he paid for us, the love that he gave toward us, who he was, what he said, and what he did. On the night before Jesus died, he took a loaf of bread, he gave thanks to it, and he broke it, and he said, take and eat. And whenever you do this, remember me. And after supper, he took the cup and poured it out, saying, this is the new covenant, remember me. Today, we do that. Today, as the family of God, we gather around the table of communion, and we celebrate what Christ has done for us. And so if you're in here today, and you're a believer, we invite you to take some time to reflect as the band sings and partake in communion. If you are in here and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, we love that you're here. We love that you're here. Understand that communion is for the family of God. God tells us to be very careful about taking communion, being in good standing with him. So today we remember his love, his friendship, his teaching, his dying, his rising and coming back to life again. And so in this shared meal together, we proclaim a shared faith. And our proclamation is this, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Can we say that again together, church? Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And so the body of Christ, the bread of life, is represented in the cracker. The lifeblood of Christ, the cup of blessing, represented in the juice. These are the gifts of God for God's people. And we are thankful for these gifts, that we can commune with our Lord Will you take these moments to pray, reflect, seek forgiveness where you need it, and when you're ready as the song plays, take communion whenever you're ready.